Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 166. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Recently, Michael Voris has done several Vortex episodes that, taken individually and in the order they were recorded, listeners may have missed the overall point. I'm going to help Six-Pack Warriors get the point in this week's episode. Here's something I'm going to shout loud and long. During the last two years, every Catholic parish and most businesses lost a ton of money because of the COVID lockdowns. Congress attempted to ease the revenue strain with the CARES Act, but it really did nothing for parishes and little for most businesses. Believe it or not, Congress is actually remedying that. They've not done a good job of getting the word out, but Congress has enhanced the ERTC portion of the CARES Act. If a parish or business has W-2 employees, part-time or full-time, they almost certainly qualify for the ERTC tax rebate. 
I'm working with a CPA firm that specializes in ERTC rebates to reach out to all parishes and Catholic-owned businesses I can. This is especially good for parishes with schools. All any parish or Catholic-owned business has to do is click the link in my show notes that says, ERTC Recovery, I Want My Money. Then just fill out the form on the website, and the CPA firm will determine if the parish or business qualifies. It costs nothing to get started, and the average tax rebate appears to be $150,000. So tell every priest and Catholic business owner about the expanded ERTC rebate and send them to my show notes. Remember, Click the link on my show notes that says ERTC Recovery. I want my money. Michael Voris has recently produced three Vortex episodes that send a message to his viewers loud and clear. Since they were recorded on February 25th, March 2nd, and March 3rd, I'm not completely certain that Michael intended to send the message that these three episodes so clearly have, but I think it's important, eternally important, that you get the message. Ask virtually any Catholic if he's a Christian, and he'll probably respond by telling you he's not. He's a Catholic. That's because Catholics have been so neglected by, and even betrayed by, our bishops and left in ignorance of Catholic truth that they've been beaten into submission by that segment of the world calling itself Christian. Among non-Catholics of that segment, people generally call themselves Christian, excluding us from that classification. They subdivide followers of Christ by saying there are Christians and there are Catholics. Some of them throw us a bone by saying we're Catholic Christians, a hyphenated designation, as if we're somehow inferior Christians, but refer to themselves simply as Christians. Sadly, a great number of Catholics say the same thing. The bottom line here is, we're not inferior Christians, but rather the only true Christians. Added to that is the fact that virtually all Catholics refer to the Catholic Church as a denomination. We're not a denomination. All of the non-Catholic organizations claiming Christianity are denominations, but we're not. The word denomination implies a fraction. In other words, a denomination is merely a fraction of the whole, or something that has separated itself from the whole. Catholicism is the whole that non-Catholics have separated themselves from. So far from being the inferior Christians, we're actually the only true Christians. Voris explains this very well in the first Vortex, and I think you need to hear that. Let's listen. In these tumultuous times, it's really important for the faithful to recall first principles. There is a God. That God is a trinity of persons. The second person of that trinity is the eternal Logos, the eternal Logos incarnated to redeem us by his sacrificial death and rose, conquering death, establishing his victory. He then established his church in time and space to carry his victory to the ends of the earth until he returns at the conclusion of time and space. In our current day, many people would agree with almost every bit of that, everything, in fact, until we get to the church part. And that's where things get, shall we say, sticky because of the word church. It's where the great departure occurs, where things get all jammed up, largely 
owing to pride or ignorance. But the results, the consequences of pride or ignorance, can have eternal consequences. The church established by the incarnate eternal Logos was and remains the Catholic Church. It is the one and only church. All others are frauds in that they were made by man, but claim to have some divine aspect to them on their own. They don't, they never have had, they never will have, they cannot, in fact. As a result, they have no power to save and they have no power to pass on salvation because they don't possess it in the first place. And as the old philosophical maxim goes, you cannot give what you do not have. And before some people get their noses all out of joint and all that, let's be clear here. None of this is to say anything about individual souls of any non-Catholics. Heaven knows there are enough baptized Catholics that will be in trouble when their judgment time arrives because they have rejected the faith. And here we are speaking directly to bishops and clergy. Take a listen, guys. But in general terms, we are speaking of what is proposed by God for our belief. The Catholic faith is the only authentic religion on the planet because the source of it is found in the Son of God. And since it is the only one, all others, by definition, are false. That doesn't mean their adherents are mean or bad or wicked or anything of the sort, but it does mean they are wrong. And as long as they remain mired in man-made religion, they will remain mired in error. And exploring all of this deeper, it is the case necessarily that either no religion is correct or no more than one, because all religions contradict other religions somewhere along the line. It is man that groups religion into certain categories, like Christian, for example. That category is extremely overly broad. It's not even really helpful. It allows for massive error, meaning the clouding of truth. There can never be such a thing as multiple Christian religions or sets of beliefs. That would be a lie. There's only one Christian religion, and that is Catholicism. All the other belief systems claiming to be Christian are phony. Again, the individuals who subscribe to those phony so-called Christian religions may be sincere in their belief, but that renders them little else than sincerely wrong. Why is all this important and important to bring up? Well, first, truth always matters. Second, because truth necessitates obliterating error. The predominant error in Christianity today is the imaginary Jesus. Imaginary Jesus allows people to create their own Christ, interpreting Scripture however they want, creating a Christ who accepts their sin and error without question or challenge. The real Christ accepts the sinner, but never the sin. Yet today, hundreds of millions of people are just roaming around the earth, thinking and honestly, probably, believing that Jesus Christ is fine with their porn habit, their promiscuity, their shacking up, their divorce and remarriage, sometimes multiple times, their embrace of sodomy, their abortion, their contraception, you name it. They have fabricated a Christ of their own making, and then they get him to bless and accept their sin. Entire belief systems are built around their sin-excusing imaginations, and these belief systems inform every other aspect of their lives, from their relationships to their politics, you name it. 
And before it's all done, you have loads of people operating under the pretend notion that this is a Christian nation, when little else could be further from the truth. It is a Christian nation only in name, because there are tens of millions of contradictory Christs. They have nothing to do with each other, because each one resides in the mind of the so-called believer and only in their mind. This is, in fact, the predominant failing of the political so-called conservative movement. It claims to be Judeo-Christian, but it ignores that at least the Christian part of that label means absolutely nothing in practice. How could it? What does the label Christian even betoken? Being a follower of Christ? Which Christ? In a so-called pluralistic society with no real definitions or definitions so porous that they mean nothing in the end, to label oneself a Christian is completely pointless. There might be some small overlap in belief here or there or in politics or some worldview of some others who accept the same label, but it takes all of about, oh, say, 20 seconds to realize you don't have anywhere as much in common with other so-called Christians as you think you might because of that label. The left is united because of their diversity, and the right is divided and therefore totally ineffective because of its diversity, a diversity that is not yet realized, admitted, or spoken of in polite company. Until so-called Christians, and that includes bad Catholics, are united in Catholic truth, nothing of substance will be accomplished. You can't deal in half-truths when your enemy deals in full lies. Here's the main point. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. In Matthew 16, 18, he referred to the church he was about to establish as his church. That means everyone has an obligation to belong to the only church he established. History, scripture, and the writings of the early Christians from the first few centuries prove that the church Christ established is the Catholic Church. So you must belong to the Catholic Church in order to be saved. The fathers of the Second Vatican Council explained it this way, basing itself on scripture and tradition, the Council teaches that the Church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation. The one Christ is the mediator and the way of salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the Church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism, and thereby affirmed at the same time the necessity of the Church, which men enter through baptism as through a door. Hence they could not be saved who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ, would refuse to enter it or to remain in it. This isn't to say that Protestants can't be saved. If they're persons of goodwill, there's always hope, and we should help them find their way into the church. Using excerpts from an interview with Jesse Lee Peterson, Michael Voris tells us about men of goodwill. Let's listen. Well, it's not exactly a mystery why the overwhelming majority of Catholic bishops don't ever really refer to natural truth or seem to ever even acknowledge natural virtue, much less supernatural virtue. It still remains frustrating as a Catholic when non-Catholic Christian men of goodwill do. There is an order to life ordained by God, and there's no way around it. And that order is God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman and woman over children. 
And so the love comes from above, through, from God, through Christ, through the man, to the woman, to the children. And when that order is not there, you have total chaos, as we are seeing now in most families and in our country, because that order is broken and society is trying to make something else work. That's Jesse Lee Peterson, one of those men of goodwill. Goodwill, goodwill being, of course, the first step necessary for salvation. Peterson is a nationally recognized radio host who, because of his political conservatism, has, of course, been canceled, banned, mocked, and all of the above because he says the emperor has no clothes. In fact, from a Catholic perspective, Peterson says more in one interview or one radio show than the entire U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops does in an entire year. Not all people are going to find that straight and narrow path, only a few. And it's those few who can have a major impact upon society. You know, um, God doesn't need the crowd. He just needs that one that will seek him first, seek the kingdom of God in his right way, and all will be added. He will use that one person to change the world. Satan's children need the crowd. The problem with the bishops, among zillions, is they view themselves as some kind of business or corporation where the primary duty is to please the stockholders and make a profit so they can pay some enormous dividend at the end of the year. The problem is they have wiped out their own customer base with their immorality, their lust for money, and their politics. Ah, yes, their politics. Those politics of destruction. Destruction of the soul, destruction of a nation, destruction of a society, destruction of the family. The D in Democrat might as well stand for destruction. And the destruction from within the political order is just as bad, actually worse, than the destruction that comes from without. On the political level, they're known as rhinos, Republicans in name only. Listen to Peterson's assessment of them and then think of the bishops. And I noticed that the rhino Republicans, they are no different than the Democrats. They are following in the steps, the footsteps of the uh, Democrats. If the Democrats get a bunch of black women in the party as representatives or whatever, the Republicans will do the same thing. If if the Democrats say we're not going to talk about we're not going to talk about radical homosexuality or lesbian, then the the the, the right old Republicans stop talking about it too. And if they the Democrats say we're not going to mention God anymore. Then the Republicans do the same thing. Yep, the rhinos are no different than the Democrats, and neither are the bishops. The destruction of the church, which began in earnest in the wake of Vatican II, as various homosexuals and Marxists within the church used the council for their own ends and still do to this day, that destruction has been allowed to proliferate because of weak men. Weak men are never men of goodwill, and you can take that to the bank. Men of goodwill are those who seek the truth. They are predisposed to embrace the truth when they encounter it, no matter the cost. It's true they may be ignorant of the truth at a given moment or phase or time in their lives. Many have been. But when they encounter it, they recognize it and they move toward it. As many of us know, moving toward truth can often be difficult and costly personally, yet a man of goodwill is still attracted to the truth. It resonates inside him. It stirs his soul, sometimes to heroic feats. 
but it always changes him. It's why the angels in the night sky over Bethlehem sang aloud, Peace on earth to men of goodwill, because men of goodwill always move toward the truth. They find peace, heavenly peace, even amidst the storms of life. No matter how they might fall from time to time, no matter what life may throw at them, they keep truth as their north star, and they either never veer off course or they find their way back if they do. Yet, here we have a terrible contrast, one that always strikes me personally whenever I encounter it, and I sadly encounter it way too often. Jesse Lee Peterson is more Catholic than most Catholic-ordained that we encounter or report on here at Church Militant. And yet, his ability to approach the fullness of our blessed Lord's truth is hampered by the bishops and their aversion to that same truth. How sad that is, and how angering. Jesse said he changed from Democrat to Republican many years ago because his Christianity compelled him to. That's a movement of goodwill. Yet, how is it that so many bishops continue to embrace the evil of the Democrats? The bishops should have long long ago denounced that party, the Democratic Party, a party responsible for more deaths than the Nazi Party in Germany. They should, they should have laid bare the lie of these child-slaughtering sodomites. But they haven't, and it appears they never will. Membership in the Democratic Party should be an automatic disqualifier from the sacraments. But because we as a church have been cursed with weak men as leaders, that notion seems completely absurd to almost everyone hearing it. But why should it be? Why should any person, not just the president or other notable politicians, Why should anyone who accepts sodomy as a legitimate form of love or chopping up a baby in the womb as health care ever be allowed to participate in the life of the church? With the exception of confession and even then requiring true contrition, no such man should ever be allowed to profess the Catholic faith. They are in fact enemies of Christ. Their lives are oriented against him in direct opposition to him. And we aren't speaking here of the sinner trapped in his sins, secretly desiring to be freed from them and unable for the time being to do so. We're talking about the man of evil who desires to draw others into his evil and pervert goodness. How else can you describe a man who accepts and embraces and lives out his evil, who strives to get laws passed to uphold his evil, to inflict that evil on others and force them to pay for it, to accept it, to embrace it. What the church needs is men like Jesse Lee Peterson, who, although confused on some points of Catholicism, nevertheless would be an outstanding Catholic because of his goodwill. Pray that he may come to the fullness of the faith one day and that those who call themselves Catholic will abandon their sin or abandon their pretense of being Catholic. Okay. We've heard how the Catholic Church is the true church and that all others are merely cheap imitations of the real thing. Then we learned about a hope for men of goodwill who aren't Catholic. Now we'll tie it all together with what all of this means for you and your eternal destiny. There are literally scores of obligations we have as Catholics, but all of those obligations can be broken down into two primary obligations, to become a saint and to share the faith. Both are absolutely necessary for salvation. 
If you're not working on becoming a saint, as Jesus told us in Matthew 5:48, you'd better invest in a set of asbestos pajamas because you'll almost certainly miss purgatory and wind up in a much greater place of suffering. Most of us won't achieve sainthood, but trying to become a saint will at least result in purgatory rather than hell. The second primary obligation is to share the faith. You can't achieve personal holiness without sharing the faith, and you can't share the faith without trying to achieve personal holiness. The two go hand in hand. In this final and very short vortex, Michael explains this quite well. After we listen to this two-minute vortex, I'll be back to make a few closing remarks. I'm Michael Voris. We're going to make this short and sweet today. Our blessed Lord gave a command as he ascended to heaven. It was to make disciples of all nations. Translation, save the world. That's right. The job of Catholics is just that simple. Save the world. In fact, our personal salvation depends on that single issue. If you're not about saving the world, you'll be damned. It's that straightforward. Now, granted, Catholics have not had that, heard that Catholicism presented as their mission to them in, in, in those terms in quite a while, thanks to loads of gay bishops and their modernist filth and perversion. But despite the failings of the U.S. hierarchy over the past 60 years to instill this mission into the hearts, the minds, the souls of Catholics, it still remains our life's work. Put nicely by Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, The quickest way to heaven is to take someone else's hand and lead them there. Father John Harden, on the other hand, was a little more direct. He who is not about the business of evangelization might not ever entertain a serious hope of salvation. Those are serious-sounding words for one simple reason, because it is serious. But the sad reality, thank you, bishops, is most Catholics don't even care about their own souls not even on their radar, much less someone else's soul. Yet, every day, people die and are damned, regardless of what church of nice sycophants like Bishop Robert Barron falsely claim. Those weak men are perfectly content to let people be damned. They have no supernatural faith, they don't believe in the deposit of faith, and they don't care about souls. They lie to you. They are spiritual terrorists. Do not listen to their lies, and that is the least you can do. They leave you and your loved ones in the dark because they have no love for you or your loved ones. They will not tell you that Catholics have the mission of saving the world. And they will not tell you that because they don't believe it themselves. Reject that message and accept instead the message of our blessed Lord as he ascended to heaven. Your eternal life depends on it. As Michael just told you, and I've told you repeatedly in my articles, webinars, and on this show, your eternal life depends on sharing the faith with others, both Catholics and non-Catholics. St. James backs that up in his fifth chapter in verses 19 and 20. When I tell Catholics that they have a moral obligation to share the faith, a moral obligation so serious that it means the difference between heaven and hell for them, I get that deer-in-the-headlight look in return. People panic at the idea of evangelizing others. I get it. It's a terrifying thing when you've never done it. Evangelization is outside our comfort zone. It's still outside my comfort zone, and I've been making converts for over 30 years. 
If it was easy, though, no conviction would be required. That's one reason that the Joe Sixpack motto is, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. If you're terrified about the idea of evangelization and you have no idea where to start, I've got your back. Beginning with this episode in the Catholic Boot Camp segment, I'm going to begin teaching you about what you need to know and do to evangelize. I'll be doing this in Catholic Boot Camp for at least the next eight weeks. So be sure to stick with each episode at least until you hear the Catholic Boot Camp segment. As I said, evangelization is outside of my comfort zone, but I can offer you a little comfort about doing it. I never wanted to share the faith. I still don't want to do it. But God isn't to be outdone in generosity, because despite that I don't want to evangelize, he sees to it that I'm at my happiest when I do the one thing I really don't want to do. The lockdowns over the last two years have changed the way people earn or want to earn a living. A lot of people are wanting to set up online businesses for themselves in e-commerce. The problem is, most folks have no earthly idea how to start, and all the videos on YouTube that are supposed to tell you how to begin just whet your appetite. Well, now you can get the help you need. Peter Prue, a successful e-commerce entrepreneur, is the founder of e-commerce Empire Builder Academy. He's offering a free webinar that explains how he's made a full-time living in e-commerce and what his academy's all about. So if you want to learn how to set up an online e-commerce business, click the link in my show notes that says E-Commerce Empire Builder Academy and register for the free webinar. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Breitbart. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Sunday that the U.S. has given the green light for NATO countries to provide Ukraine with fighter jets to use against Russia's invasion. Russia has warned it could consider itself at war with any countries that offer airfields to Ukraine. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Daily Wire Senator Marco Rubio is normally considered a military hawk, but he is opposed to NATO enforcing a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Speaking to ABC, Rubio said, A no-fly zone has become a catchphrase. I'm not sure that a lot of people fully understand what that means. That means flying AWACS 24 hours a day. That means the willingness to shoot down and engage Russian airplanes in the sky. So basically, a no-fly zone, if people understood what it means, it means World War III. It means starting World War III. Whoa! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to the Washington Examiner The national price of gas hit $4.009 a gallon on Sunday. That's an increase of nearly 60 cents per gallon since early February. 
It's the highest price of gas since July 24, 2008. In California, the average price climbed to $5.28 a gallon. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to the Daily Wire. Republican leaders are furious that the Biden administration is in talks with Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro trying to pry him from his relationship with Russia. The United States cut off diplomatic efforts with Venezuela in 2019. Senator Marco Rubio said, rather than produce more American oil, Biden wants to replace the oil we buy from one murderous dictator with oil from another murderous dictator. What? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to MSN. Visa and MasterCard each announced on Saturday that they will suspend operations in Russia in response to the invasion of Ukraine. Once complete, all transactions initiated with Visa cards issued in Russia will no longer work outside the country, and any Visa cards issued by financial institutions outside of Russia will no longer work within the Russian Federation, Visa stated in a release. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. Catholics have many, many obligations, but they can all be categorized under two primary obligations, to become a saint and to share the faith. Serious Catholics work on becoming a saint as best they know how, absent any help from our hierarchy. Certainly you're obligated to become a saint, but part of becoming a saint is to evangelize. Quoting Michael Voris, You need to understand that our blessed Lord gave a command as he ascended to heaven. It was to make disciples of all nations. Translation, save the world. That's right, the job of Catholics is just that simple, save the world. In fact, our personal salvation depends on that single issue. If you're not about saving the world, you'll be damned. It's that straightforward. Now stop. Don't give me that deer-in-the-headlight look when I tell you that you have to save the world, to evangelize. You have no reasonable hope of attaining heaven if you don't do everything Jesus commanded, and he commanded evangelization. If you've been listening to me long enough, you know that I worked in prison apostolate for about 25 years. I always believe that the state offered nothing for rehabilitation and that the Catholic Church offers the only thing for rehabilitation. Consequently, many converts were made. 
However, there were a lot of surprisingly good men I wasn't able to interest in Catholicism. One of them had become a really close friend, and I've written to him regularly since. After all, according to the Corporal Works of Mercy, he's another Jesus in prison. This good friend has recently been told that he has a very aggressive form of cancer. He's going to die because the penal system won't do anything to save him. It's cheaper to let him die, and he's just a convict after all. In a nation that kills babies, letting the scum of the earth die is pretty doggone easy. He lives in a penal system that just last year figured out how to make money off of letting convicts stay in touch with their family and friends by sending and receiving monitored emails. I've begun using that email system to catechize him until he tells me to stop. He knows he's dying, so the presumption is that he's more willing to listen than he was before. I send him little thumbnail lessons about as long as these I use in the Catholic boot camp. I answer his questions, and I'm gradually leading him home to Rome. Please pray for that end. This is just one example of what you can do to evangelize. Once you get over your fear of evangelizing, the possibilities are endless. I mentioned fear because just yesterday I had a conversation with a man who said he evangelizes by just praying for lost sinners. Unless his prayers are so powerful that he can part the Red Sea, I told him that he'll actually have to talk to them about Catholic truth before his prayers can bear any fruit. Here's the bottom line. If you care anything at all about where you spend eternity, then you're going to have to begin by evangelizing. And don't come up with something weak like, Joe, I evangelize by setting a good example. No, you don't. You're a sinner, just like the rest of us. You can't set an example well enough to bring people into the Catholic Church that way and that way alone. You have to actually share Catholic truth with people. It's scary, I get that. But it's only scary until you actually begin. Another thing about evangelization is that you can't merely regurgitate the church's teachings. If you try that, you can almost hear minds slam shut. Every single doctrine and dogma of the Catholic Church can be proven. I read a priest's article a year or two ago who said the faith can't be proven. He was wrong. I should know because I've been proving it for 30-plus years. That's the reason for so many converts. Non-Catholics and, sadly, Catholics want proof that Catholic truth is indeed true. You have to learn how to give it to them. I'm going to begin teaching you how to share the faith and prove what it teaches in these boot camps. In the meantime, if you're interested in evangelizing and saving your soul, you need to buy two of my books I'll be using to teach you. Secrets of the Catholic Faith, and the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You can get them on the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast site. Help this apostolate while you help yourself. First, check out what I have for sale on cantankerouscatholic.com on the Joe's Stuff page. I have books, coffee mugs, and t-shirts. Your purchase helps this apostolate. On the episodes, blog, and about pages, there are Catholic Amazon items in the sidebar. 
I change those offerings every week now. When you click on those images, as long as you shop at Amazon after doing so, this apostolate gets a small commission on everything you buy. Please help this apostolate while you buy whatever you're going to buy anyway. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Clare of Assisi. She said, Love God, serve God. Everything is in that. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Jimmy had been sent off to bed by his mother for using profane language. When his father came home, she sent him upstairs to punish the boy. I'll teach that young brat to use that sort of language, he roared and started up the stairs. He tripped on the top step and fell flat on his face. His wife covered her ears for a moment because of his language. You'd better come down now, she called up after the air had somewhat cleared. He's had enough for his first lesson. Later, Jimmy used some of the language he'd heard from his father while playing in the street. A well-dressed lady heard him and said, Sonny, aren't you ashamed of using such terrible language? He yelled back, That's nothing, lady. You ought to hear my old man. Jimmy's father was teaching his son evil habits by the bad example he gave. The F-bomb is commonly used today, and it sets a very bad example, which is why I usually ask people on social media if their mother taught them that word. To give bad example is to hurt the soul of another. It's worse in the case of your own child. Giving bad example is a sin against the fifth commandment. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.